and like, mom, that's great. You've kind of talked about opening this bakery for a long time. And why aren't you following your passion and what's holding you back? Um, and I kind of had those fears. I said, well, you know, you guys are still in high school and there's more, I mean, there's all these things. And they're like, so, and I'm like, well, but what about bills and mortgage? And they're like, so. What does success mean to you? How do we continue to define it as life and career changes up? And how do we remain relevant? I'm Elizabeth Ribbons, your host for Next, a podcast dedicated to spotlighting actions and stories that empower a fluid approach to life, give purpose, and inspire you to reimagine your next. Ready to make a change but not sure where to start? Head over to nextcareerlife.com. Explore your options, get clarity now, and download the free 10 questions. Become a member and connect with the community. Be part of the events. Remember, the magic is in the groups. All at nextcareerlife.com. Do you have a business idea, an interest you have postponed? Or perhaps you've talked yourself out of it and shelved it until you get that perfect moment where everything's going to fall into place just like so. Or maybe you're thinking, oh gosh, am I too old? Is it too late? Can I really do this? Well, you're in the right place. Dust off that idea and join me as I welcome today's guest, Daphne Subar of Subar Suites, who left a thriving professional career to embark on a new business, completely changing lanes in life, and did it in her 50s. Welcome, Daphne. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Um, of course, we always like to hear about, you know, what was the career that you left? And, and then we'll go from there. So I was a lawyer. I had been practicing law for over 25 years, um, various areas of litigation. Um, and I didn't leave it because I hated it. I just want to say that I did enjoy what I was doing when I did it. I did various different areas of litigation. I didn't hate it, but it was just time for a change. I agree. That's like, I had another thriving business and people said, why are you leaving it? And I said, I've kind of done it and I'm ready for the next thing next. Right. Exactly. And, and so, and you have a family, right? You also have a family. Correct. I have three daughters who kind of inspired me and challenged me and, and motivated me to do it. Correct. Right. And so with all that in place, mortgage, kids, college, the, the professional business, you know, all of that, did you feel like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Or did you feel like I, I really need to give this a try? Like what was going on in your mind at the time? Give us a little bit of history about your daughters and, and how you came up with the product and what, and what made them, what made you decide? Of course. Thank you for asking. Um, and it was kind of a combination of all of those things. So at the time, my daughters were, one was graduating high school, one was in high school, and one was in college when I was starting to seriously think about making this big jump. Um, and it was really my oldest daughter who was declaring a major in college, and she wanted to be a theater major. She wanted to pursue a career in stage management. Um, and she told me that, and I said, that's great. I'm really excited for you. Why not? And then several people, um, provided their unsolicited advice and comments about, you know, maybe she shouldn't do that. And maybe she should go into a more stable career or more um, something where she'll make more money or things will just be easier. And I said, maybe, but this is what she wants to do. And you're only 21 once and it's the perfect time for her to try it. So I encouraged her. And in the meantime, my other daughters, so one was 16 and one was 14 at the time, overheard this, overheard me saying this several times. And like, mom, that's great. You've kind of talked about opening this bakery for a long time. 
And why aren't you following your passion? And what's holding you back? Um, and I kind of have those fears. I said, well, you know, you guys are still in high school and there's more. I mean, there's all these things. And they're like, so. And I'm like, well, but what about bills and mortgage? And they're like, so. Like, they literally just kept asking me, so what? And I'm like, you know what? You're right. So what? It's time to try it. Um, I'm lucky enough that if it didn't work out, I could have always gone back to the practice of law. I didn't hate it. I didn't burn any bridges. Um, it was just an exciting time for me to try something new. So, and I had always loved baking. Um, and so I'd always, in the back of my mind, thought about opening a bakery, different than what Subar Sweets has evolved into. And we can talk about that later, but really just a bakery. Um, and it was really the girls who just challenged me and said, why not? Let's see if you can do it. See, and that is so funny because, um, you know, I, I was talking with a coach and she is a big time mega, you know, up there coach. And she said, I caught myself not doing what I tell all of my clients to do. <laughs> and it's so true. We're like, you go, girl. I, I want you, honey, to go out there and, and, and try it out. And then where did we lose that along the way? I guess we get so in our in our routines and our life and we feel like, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't push up against this box. I have to stay here. And I honestly think when you feel that little nudge, it's it's worth exploring, right? I mean, and then they're telling you, think, thankfully they told you, hey, give it a try. And yeah, you have a you have a wonderful profession that you could go back to. There's, so you weren't you weren't without a parachute, kind of, you know what I mean? You you could definitely go back if it didn't work out. So. Exactly. And the parachute helped. I mean, there was times when it was hard um, and when I would question myself and I'm like, well, I can always go back. And then I would literally weigh the pros and the cons. Like, do I want to go back or do I want to keep trying this? Do I want to work for someone else or do I want to work for myself? And I have that discussion and it always clearly one that I wanted to keep going forward with the business. Right. Um, but it was really the girl. I mean, for me to tell one daughter to follow her passion and then be hypocritical and not do it myself would have really been a hard thing to swallow. So they really throw it back at me. Right. And, and we all as entrepreneurs and even solopreneurs, we go through this thing of what am I doing? I'm all alone on this. Cause you are kind of all alone unless you connect with other entrepreneurs and you have your days when you're like, this is amazing. And then there's other days where, what am I doing? Exactly. <laughs> so hard. And so it's really good to sort of uh, align with other people who've been through that journey. And each time you scale up a bit more, it, it's another challenge and you've got to figure it out. And it is hard and we do do it alone a lot. Um, but it does, I think at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, all right, I know how to make money and I can go back there and make money, but what's giving me joy? And that is the path you want to be on, right? Exactly. Exactly. And, and I never thought I would want to run my own business. I never thought that would bring me joy. But it's really great because everything I do is for this one thing that I'm passionate about. Um, and I'm loving it. I've never been this happy. I've never worked this hard. Even when I was in litigation years ago and having really long days in court, I never worked as hard as I did running my own business. But it's a different feeling. And I'm, I'm really happy about it. Wow, Daphne, that is so powerful what you just said. And, and the fact that, I mean, I, I read a little bit about you and you were talking about how you love being creative in the kitchen and you were creating different things and different recipes. And you kind of always, that's a creative bent is someone who, who is in the kitchen doing something and then they kind of add their own things or create their own way of doing it. And um, I'm sure that gave you joy. That was what sparked your joy, right? It did. But it's interesting. When I think back, I never thought of myself as a creative person. 
I thought of every, my mom was very creative. My sister is creative. My kids are very creative. I always, I guess because I was just practicing law, I never thought of myself as being creative. Although I would go into the kitchen and I would experiment and I would constantly be changing recipes either because I needed to accommodate my kids. One has some medical issues, one has food allergies, or I wouldn't even be prepared and I'd forget to buy a key ingredient for something. So I'd kind of just wing it in the kitchen. Um, but I never thought of that as being creative until I really started this business and realized how much joy I got out of going in the kitchen and experimenting. Yeah, exactly. And do you know, I think it's just our culture or what have you. We decide that people are, oh, she's creative or he's creative. And I'm not creative. We are all creative. We all come up with, gosh, this isn't working. I'm going to come up with a solution. Mm -mm, you just came up with creativity there. That, and if it's giving you joy to figure out a puzzle or figure out how to do something or create something, we're all creative. And so in, in my community, I always encourage whatever it is that brings you joy and you're creating, then do it because it may not bring you to your next, like yours kind of did, but it may not bring you to your next, but what it does is get that joy going and that creativity, those juices flowing, and then something will pop up. I can't tell you how many times I've witnessed that where these women are really, they've come up, I mean, against walls, and then they're doing a pottery class and then something comes to them and they're not going to go sell pottery, but they were in that place of being creative and allowing themselves to consider themselves outside of the box, sort of. Right. That know? is so true. So very true. But, it, but, but also what you said in the beginning was, I didn't think of myself as being creative because society kind of puts you in that you're creative, you're not creative, you're creative, you're analytical, all that. So I never thought of myself in that box. And I, and I keep saying, this is my whole snapback thing of, yes, you are. And there's other cultures. And my brother travels the world for his work. And he said in Thailand, he said, you know, the whole family's on those scooters as you're, you know, and they all bring out their, their little things and they're cooking food that you can just buy on the street. He goes, it's amazing. And then he said, and then everybody in the family is doing something creative, not because they think they're going to go sell it and market it and become, you know, mega, mega millionaires. They're doing it because it's sort of that thing that you do, like you exercise, you eat, you sleep, you do something creative. And you think about like those old movies where like they were sitting by the fire, listening to the radio and they were working on something and they were <laughs> reading or working on something or building some, I think that's something we've forgotten to do. And I think it's something that we all need to do to, to sort of bring back that joy in our life. And I'm talking a lot, but one more thing, I just did a, a blog about that because everyone's at home. A lot of people are working at home and certainly we do all of our responsibilities. We do all of our work and we're just feeling a little still very lonely. And it's because we need to bring in that joy and that whatever it is that brings you joy, you should be doing it, dancing, singing, creating, we all are. So I love that you did that. I loved that you followed this and that you listened to your daughters. There's no mistakes. I mean, here they're telling you, come on, mom, you can do this. And you decided, okay, so what was the next step? Did you just go, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to do this thing and see if uh, my friends will buy it. Like, what did you do to really just get going? And it was hard because I had to get over those fears um, of what am I doing? But I, yeah, the first thing was, is I, I had a recipe that I wanted to start with, which is really the original chocolate chip, which was based on a Mondel bread recipe I'd made for years that people kept telling me they wanted to buy. And that's how it started. So my first step was taking that recipe, fooling around with it a little bit, figuring out how to make it into a product that I could sell mm -hmm. that would be uniform in shape and size and the type of box and all that. Um, so that took a couple months to figure that out. And originally the product looked nothing like it does now. It was 
um, they were kind of like little rectangles, almost like a brownie shape. Right now they're kind of long and skinny. They look like a biscotti, but they started as um, rectangles and it just didn't work. I couldn't get them to taste the right way. I couldn't get them to have the right texture. I, none of that worked. So I kind of scrapped that and just started over and figured out if I basically took the rectangles and put them in half, they would come into the shape that I wanted, which preserved the texture. They were something that was easy to eat. I wanted something that back in the day when we saw people in real life, um, they could pick something up and it wouldn't require a utensil. You could take it in two or three bites. You wouldn't have a mess. You wouldn't have like, wouldn't be like a cupcake that you have frosting on your face or any of that. So I wanted, there were certain things I wanted it to have. And then I finally, it finally had that after experimenting. So that was the original one. Um, and then from there, I kind of just experimented and expanded with the different flavors and varieties. So you started with that. And then I just have to know. So um, did you say, okay, I'm going to test market this. I'm going to see what my friends think. Or did you just say, okay, in my town, I'm going to try and sell this. How did you get selling it? Like, how did that start happening? I think I, it's hard to remember, but I gave it to a couple of friends to try and people really enjoyed it. And then um, I put up a very simple website, different than what I have now. Um, advertised it on social, but just put it on my Facebook. I did not have Instagram back then. I didn't really know the importance of it. Um, and then I still remember like two days later, I was watching TV and I got a little ping on my phone and it's like, somebody bought it. And I was so excited. Um, and it's kind of spiraled since then. It's a lot of it has been word of mouth, but that's did how the routine like started. I did. I hope so. Cause that's like, woohoo. Cause everyone talks about their first order after all that hard work. And they get that first recognition of, I want your product. And they just all go, yes, yes. yay. And I hope you did. That's, that's yeah. really awesome. So great. there's where you started and, and you started out simple, right? I mean, I, I think that's one of your, your recommendations is just keep it simple to start, right? Exactly. So before I started, um, when I was asking some other small business owners, no bakers, well, actually a few bakers I did ask but all different types of people who had started their business. I'm like, what's the advice? And a couple of people said, keep it simple. And that was very hard. And I'm like, but I have all these ideas. Like I want to do the bars, but then maybe I'll do some cookies and maybe I'll do like all this. And they said, they kept saying, keep it simple, start small and keep it simple. And it's very hard to do when you get very excited about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But I thought, you know, a few people have told me this, I'm going to just keep it simple. And that was probably the best advice. So yeah, I started with the one flavor, one size box very simple. And that's what they call the MVP, the minimum viable product, meaning that you just do that one. I mean, that is across the board, the, the wise advice, but everyone always wants to go really big and then they have to edit just like editing. It makes, and editing is a huge thing in a movie, whether it's done right, you know, so the edit is really important. And so that was so smart. And I also want to say you did your research and you asked people, you were humble enough to say, I, I'm not sure. How did you do this? What, you know, you were, you were getting information from other people, which I think is brilliant because a lot of times we think I'm just going to do this. And no, yeah, that's been a big help. And I think part of that is honestly is starting the business maybe a little later in my life because I didn't really have the fear. I didn't know what I was doing. And I was the first to admit, I did not know what I was doing. And when I look back at the amount that I've learned in the last five and a half years, it's crazy. And I think if I would, I, I think if I knew what I didn't know, that would have held me back, but luckily it didn't. And luckily I didn't have an issue asking for help. And people are very, I can't say enough how many people say, if I knew what I didn't know, 
I wouldn't have done it. It's so important because they won't go out and, and they're like, oh my gosh, I could go wrong. And so it's kind of, you just went in and you were willing to ask the questions and build it out from there. And so you were cooking in your kitchen. You started out. What are some of the hurdles that you experienced when you were first getting started? What were some of those hurdles? Oh my gosh, there were so many. So I mean, not, but not really. None of them were that big, but that seemed like a lot. So um, cooking from home was a little challenging just because I still had two daughters at home at the time. So I'd kind of try to bake during the day while they were at school and then suddenly switch it over and not have it look like a bakery and have it look like a house and I could still make them <laughs> dinner and all that. Um, I'm not sure who I was trying to fool there. Um, and then just the appropriate way to expand and also shipping. Shipping was a big hurdle. Shipping was and continues to be one of the biggest challenges because people don't want to pay for shipping. And I've tried to try to figure out different ways to get around it. Well, meanwhile, shipping costs have increased, but because of some big brands out there who offer free shipping, it's really hurt the small businesses. But I've, I figured out a way to kind of do free shipping on certain size orders and do a flat rate. Um, and my customers have been very loyal. And I think once they learned about the product and learned to love it and the ease of ordering it, they don't really mind that they do have to pay minimal shipping. No, I think that that's, that's assumed. And, um, I, you know, that's, it is, there's always hurdles to overcome. And then uh, another thing is, is you, you get to a place where you know you're ready to go up to that next level and you probably now are using professional kitchens, right? To, to, so you had to move up to that. And just, again, you know, um, you, you reached out and you recently um, were part of a fantastic program. You want to talk about that where you were learning to build and scale your business? Sure. So that was the um, Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program. And I'm really lucky that I was chosen to participate in, participate in it in the fall. Um, it was a wonderful opportunity. I learned so much about everything. And it really, um, it really caused me to stop and look at my business and not be so caught up in working in my business. So I kind yes. of stopped and I stood back and it was a 10 week course and it was, you know, 10 to 12 hours a week. It was a lot of time I devoted to it, but it really forced me to look at it as a business, not so much my business, even though it was still my business, but look at it objectively and say, okay, well, I need to scale in this area. And in order to grow, I can't keep doing the same things. I need to change something, which is really hiring and expanding and doing all that. Yes. And while I kind of knew it in the back of my mind, this really helped put it all um, in the right perspective. And so I'm right. really feel very lucky that I was able to participate in that. I'm trying to implement everything I learned in, from last year into 2022. And I'm really excited about where the business is going to go as a result. Oh, and you know what? You just have the right combination, Daphne, because you are humble enough. Here you are a, 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 an attorney, but you're humble enough to ask questions and to put yourself out there and say, yeah, I need to learn how to do this next level. And you are so right. And I can't express that enough. You know, I'm, I'm a lifelong entrepreneur, but entrepreneur means that you're not working in the business. You know, you're not working in it. You're, you're above it. And you're looking at how you can start automating with, with people and teams and all of that. Otherwise you can't grow and scale and you're going to burn out and you can't really deliver what it is you do so well when, when you're just in it, <laughs> you're down in the trenches constantly. You can't see it, which I want to talk about your product because your product is amazing by the way. Thank and you. I love the lemon, the lemon bars. I love it's They're delicious. So, um, and there's so many great things, everyone. I have to tell you about these. The shape is perfect. She's right. It's just an easy thing to pick up and eat. I love her packaging and she's so smart. She has a really great marketing strategy where it's just, you know, you can, um, 
start putting a list in of people that you want these gifts to go to, these cookies, these, these bars to go to, and she handles it. And I love that. You know, I have, I'm a, I'm a tea snob and I have a tea that I love and they just send it to me and I don't have to think about it. So talk about how, well, how many flavors you have. And another thing too, you guys is, is the, the, the shelf life is longer because it's not a really, uh, wet cookie. You know what I mean? It's not a wet bar. So that is so smart too, because you can send it to someone and be confident that it's going to arrive and still be fresh and good. So just talk about your product a little bit and the flavors you've got going on and how you have the system set up that is brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So they are, they um, last for weeks. They last about six to eight weeks. Mm -hmm. They are not a soft gooey cookie. They're, they're crunchy, but they're not hard. And I specifically yeah. did that intentionally because I wanted, I didn't want you to feel like you had to dip it in a cup of coffee. I wanted yeah. people to be able to enjoy it on its own. Um, they ship really easily. They come in over 20 varieties. We have, I think 12 or 13 of our original flavors. And then several of those are available in a gluten-free variety now. Um, I'm trying to remember all your questions. Um, and then the gifting. So when I was practicing law, there's two parts to this. Around the holidays, we would get gifts to the mm -hmm. law firm. And honestly, they would all come in about the same week. They would all be the same fruit basket, basket of chocolates, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And you got really excited over the first one. And by the time the third one came in, you were done. And by the fifth or sixth, you weren't even paying attention. So I wanted to change that. I wanted people to get gifts that they, that they really appreciated it and that they knew that thought went into it. Mm -hmm. um, and so from the moment they get it, you see they're in these beautiful pink boxes. You open it up, you yes. can kind of smell them. They're all individually wrapped in a doily and all that was intentional so that they so that the presentation shows how much thought went into the gift yeah and then the other thing is i knew that gifting is really a little bit of a pain point but it doesn't need to be people don't always want to spend time gifting but they understand the importance of it so i yeah. wanted to make the whole process as easy as possible for those who gift a lot and so yes it's really easy we work with our clients directly they can just send us a spreadsheet of what they want to send when they want to send it um, and what they would like a handwritten note. And all of them do go out with a handwritten note, which is um, unique in this world. And people really appreciate that they get a handwritten note. Mm -hmm. The other thing we've done is we encourage our clients to gift throughout the year. So don't just send gifts at the holidays because people get saturated with gifts. I have one client who sends um, for birthdays. She knows her client's birthdays and she sends out a little box for her client's birthdays. That's great. I have another client that just sends them out throughout the year to let them know the employees that they're really appreciating. They're working at home and they know it's tough, but here's a little treat to enjoy while you're at your computer. Oh, I love that. I love that. And you have how many different flavors or different cookies right now? There's bars. over 20 different. There's a few seasonal ones that come and go, which is why I'm saying that, but there's 21 standard varieties you can get all year long that range from the original, which was the chocolate chip with cinnamon sugar too. I have a lavender, I have a oh. white chocolate raspberry, I have a gluten-free apple. So there's really something for everyone. There's those that love chocolate, those that love fruit, those that love unique combinations. Oh, that's, that's just marvelous. And yes, it is really nice to receive something thoughtful. The presentation, you've, you've checked the boxes on all this and to have a handwritten note 
so important because people go, oh, wow, someone really thought of this and someone took some time with this. And so that is, is super important. So you are now heading into like a big, a big uh, delivery time, which is uh, Valentine's Day. And I think it's an important thing for businesses as well as, as you know, people, you know, just relationships to, to be able to send these out. And it's very easy to do. You just need to go to www.subarsuites. That's S as in Sam, U, B, A, R, Z as in zebra, sweets.com. And take a look at all the options and just all the time and effort. This is a labor of love. She's doing a fantastic job. And I hope that this has inspired you to dust off that idea. Thank you so much, Daphne. And I, I hope that next week is just fantastic for you as far as, as, as the holiday goes and you continue to see more success and it's fun to watch you and I just really hope that you continue to grow. Thank you. Thank you for asking about my story. It was great to chat with you. Thank you. Have a great week. Thank you. You too. Enjoying the show? You can find the notes at www.elizabethribbons.com. That's ribbons with one B or on your preferred podcast platform. Please be sure to follow, rate, and review. Reviews and word of mouth are still the number one way to learn about new podcasts, so I appreciate your support. Until next time.